Welcome to the prototype world of tomorrow. They say the new millennium truly began the day the City of Progress was finished. A domed metropolis of the world's greatest minds, built on the swamplands of central Florida. Here in this self-styled city of the future, 50,000 temporary residents live, work, and occasionally die. Progress is a prototype of a world to come, but also a living city with many mysteries, and working to unravel a few of them are Progress's only private detectives, Tim Less and Eve R. Moore. This season of World of Tomorrow is sponsored by Boardwalk Times, and now, Fairweather Foes, Chapter 4. Progress was built on the idea that merely by collecting America and the world's smartest people together in one room, or in this case, domed city, you'd be able to solve many of the problems facing us on what the more erudite of the population calls Spaceship Earth. The grand idea was that the city of Progress was an experiment of the future, and its 50,000 residents would work together like a colony of ants, or bees, or what else lives in a colony? Uh, meerkats? Anyway, progress was meant to be, if not a shining city on a hill, there are many of those in central Florida, at least a pocket compass and crudely drawn map that might point some floundering civilization in the general direction of upwards and onwards. And as far as I could tell in the history of everything, it was at least the seventh go at the project, the first going all the way back to the antediluvian Tower of Babel though in that particular case, failures seem to come from too little communication. If Spirit of Tomorrow is to be believed, progress will fail for problems arising from the opposite end of the spectrum. What wasn't taken into consideration at the time was that smartest didn't always translate into agreeable, amicable, amenable, and other words from the Chime Thesaurus. Get a group of smart people together, some come in with pernicious agendas, but all of them have at least one or two semi-nicious ones. Now you tell some of them they get to stay, and others will get the old heave-ho and a bottle of sayonara. TBH, I'm not sure why you devote yourself to controlling the weather in a place that also seemed to take a keen interest in controlling you, including controlling the time in which your particular cog in the Metropolis machine was no longer required. So that Saturday morning, I was already inclined to think the worst about the prevailing power structures of the city when I found Eve on my doorstep. Tim? Tim, come on. Uh, we're going to be late. Late? Late for what? I was thinking we needed to get to the air show before the vendors start arriving. To scope out the situation. Ah, I see. Late to be ridiculously early. Ah, <sighs> I guess there's not time to stop for breakfast. I polished off the last Danit yesterday. Well, I told Professor Fang we'd meet her at 0600 fine, hours. Fine, fine, so... okay. Let me grab something from the Pneumatubes. Are you sure? Ugh, 
I don't know how you can eat that stuff. Hey, just because your building's not fancy like mine. Uh, bagel and lax. Lax? Yeah, they're not legally allowed to call it lox. I think it's made of kelp and anchovy paste. Oh, seaweed breakfast sandwich. Just splendid. Let's go. Uh, huh. What is it? The lax, it tastes a bit more papery than I'm used to. I fished out the message. Once I wiped off the smear on it, I could see it was the same electric typewritten font as before. It's Spirit of Tomorrow. They they decided to go after the air show after all. What a surprise. Hey, if you're going to be this subtle, I might need like a hand gesture or something to indicate sarcasm. Oh, does this one work? Yeah, that works. So, what should I do about the SOT? Well, don't be an idiot. Go! Well, someone's feeling very bygones be bygones. Look, I don't mean you should actually participate. Just go and find out what they're doing. Where are they meeting? It looks like somewhere behind the pro shop. That's not far from the air show's main tents. Come on, we'll go see Professor Fang, and you can slip out and join the anti-Luddites in their secret clubhouse. We took the monorail north. It seemed like tea times were cancelled for the day, and it wasn't just the threatening clouds overhead. The entire area had been taken over by a tent city, but like one planned by the yachting club. It was still too hot for suits outdoors, so the executives, who even at this early hour had knobs to hob, were doing so in khakis and pastel polos. The speed ramps had indeed been appropriated by some group or another. Engineers by the looks of them. You can always tell. They were currently propelling large fruits and vegetables down the ramps in what was either speed calibrations or a dank attempt at prop comedy. We approached on foot towards the center of the arrangement. There was a big multi-story tent structure in the middle of it all. Each level was a different color and was adorned with the logos of the various aerospace concerns in the city. TBH, I didn't quite know what we were looking for. This was the part I was hoping Eve was helping with. Professor Fang! Yes, Eve. Thank you for coming. And Tim as well. You're welcome. As you might have noticed... She gave a meaningful look up at the sky. We have stood firm on our decision not to interfere. But Bo and I are standing by to monitor the situation. So they're basically like regular weather people now. Eve... I was wondering if you would look over these readings we recovered from the night you and Bo were in the dirigible. Yes. While Eve does that, I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. So that's where I'll be, in case anyone was wondering. I got it, Tim. Just go. So the readings that are here... But I see that the restroom facilities close by are, uh... (laughs) Not up to my standards, so I'm going to walk over to that building and see if I can use the bathroom there. Fine. Tim, just go. Okay, then. Going now. I'm pretty sure Professor Fang was none the wiser. I walked towards the building on the horizon. It looked like the air show had taken over the golf courses, but the driving range and pro shop were still open to service the people who had to get their morning swings in. I understood golf conceptually. As Mark Twain once said, a nice trip in a golf cart ruined, but the driving range seemed a step too far. 
I made my way through the lobby of the pro shop by assuming the walk and demeanor of someone who enjoys spending an early Saturday morning hitting a bucket of golf balls into an empty field. I found my way out the back door into the little garden used by the people who were waiting for their tea times. The fact that the courses were currently occupied by experimental aircraft meant the place was empty, except for one old duffer who was practicing his putting on the green. I gave him a friendly, I'm in the space as well, nod, and sat on a bench. It was a little garden area with putting green, a koi pond, and a bridge over the koi pond, whose only purpose seemed to be to find a less convenient way of crossing the pond than just walking around it. This was where my instructions ran out. All right, now what? Yeah, it was really quiet without the background music they usually play. New message from unknown number. Feed the fish. Feed the fish? How was I supposed to feed the fish? I looked around to see if someone had left a loaf of bread, or worms, or peanut butter, or whatever it was that fish ate. Uh, nope. But I did see, um, one of those, I don't know what they're called, like a gumball machine, but for fish food, you know? They probably have a name. So I turned the crank handle, and it didn't do anything. Apparently it wanted payment of some kind. I scanned my credit chip. Um, hmm. Seemed to not want that. But instead, like, a quarter? Let me tell you something. Even before I moved to Progress, I do not carry cash, much less coins. So this was going to be a problem. Reply to the last chime. I don't have a quarter. Send. What? Sorry, talking to the chime. New message from unknown number. You don't? Reply. Yeah, sorry. No, I don't. You need a quarter? Sometimes I forgot when I talked to the chime that other people could hear me. New message from unknown number. Can you get change for a dollar at the pro shop? Tell him that's what I usually do. That's what he usually does. No, don't say that. It's picking up the whole conversation. Reply. So, what are we going to do here? Really determined to feed those fish, aren't you? It's a whole bit that they do. I've got a dollar if you need it. You can go get quarters in the pro shop. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. No problem. I went to the pro shop bar. The bartender, who was setting up for the morning, looked at my dollar bill suspiciously, as if I was trying to pull a fast one. But in the end, relented and gave me four quarters in exchange. I returned, gave 75 cents back to the old man put the quarter in the machine, and... Reply to the last chime. It won't turn. New chime. Turn it the other way. I probably should have tried that first. I turned the knob clockwise this time, and with each turn, the tension got a little harder. But finally, something gave way. I turned around, and out of the fish pond rose up an elevator? It was some sort of hydraulically powered modern design steel contraption with a flat roof and glass windows and a big orange koi flapping about on top. I suppose for his sake, I'd better hurry this next part along. Wow, it's amazing what you can get for a quarter. Yeah, well, uh, thanks again. If I see you again, I'll pay you back. Ah, don't mention it. I thought you were just desperate to feed the fish for some reason. Well, see you around. A couple of stepping stones that seemed to be placed for that purpose, and I was in. Swarms of bubbles came up as we descended into the depths of the... koi pond. 
Either this thing is deeper, or we're moving slower. We got to the point where we were moving through rock instead of water. And then finally, the doors opened. And what I saw was... Another bland conference room. I swear, it looks like one of those study rooms you can check out at the library, but like, it's from the 70s. It's not that I objected to the rooms per se, but it was the build-up. Did Spirit of Tomorrow spend 80% of their budget on the entrances and then run out of money? Anyway, Dr. Knoll was there with like 12 or so of Spirit of Tomorrow. Timothy! Dr. Knoll! Please, you're one of us now. I am like everyone else, putting on holes in one leg at a time. So call me Sig. Uh, yeah, Sig. Sorry I'm late. I didn't have a quarter. Luckily for you, we are bringing change to progress. Change, change to, to progress. progress. But next time, you please bring change. And here, take this, why don't you? What is it? Every member has one in their pockets. Once turned on, together they will jam every radio frequency in the entire area. But the planes won't be able to fly. People come to the air show and it'll be a ground show. We will teach progress to take these communications for granted. Well, 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 now, hold on. Uh, Just to be clear, you didn't, for example... Sabotage a dirigible with two people on board at any point this week? We only use communication for the greater good. To bring people together. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So, bringing a blimp and the ground together, that that wasn't on this week's agenda. That was not us. Don't look towards us. Look to the masters of progress. They use the radio waves like a parasite. Like a Nosferatu uses its victims. But on today... All that ends! Yeah, yeah, okay, but in fairness, you don't really run out of radio waves. You know, it's not a finite resource, as far as I'm aware. Uh, you, you get a whole new batch tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow! The time to act is now! But I just got here. You were late. Okay, no one told me I needed a quarter. You know, for a group that prides itself on mastery of communication, you could have filled in a few more details. Join us or don't. It doesn't matter. We must go now before the planes are in the air. We are the spirit of tomorrow! Tomorrow! Quickly, to the surface! Oh, and everyone, try to blend in. Hmm? And with that, they were all heading to the exits. TBQH, without the song and dioramas, they were a lot less convincing. I'm starting to worry that in joining, I might have hitched my wagon to crazy... It looks like they may have brought me in the dramatic way, but there were a lot of hallways that led out. This was further evidenced by the red exit signs, which the fire marshal would not have allowed to be installed if they didn't lead somewhere. I chose the one on my right and started walking. It was a slow, steady incline, but the hallway eventually led up to the surface. I walked out the door back into the open air. The sky had actually cleared up a bit. It looks like the door out was actually built onto the back of the weather control building. I got my bearings and started making my way back to the center of the air show, where I saw someone fiddling with the side door. Well, it wasn't so much as a who as a what. It was a drone. About the size of a basketball, if a basketball was flatter and shaped like a football. Okay, maybe it was like a surfboard, but like a little one? Like a paddleboard. It sort of kept changing shapes and sizes, which I think was because its wings were moving so fast you only caught glimpses of them. It was holding out an arm a few inches away from the scanner pad. Access granted. Son of a... It's in the building. 
I'm not sure who sent it, but something told me this was the drone that Rick and Spirit of Tomorrow were talking about. I bolted for the door and caught it right before it would have slammed shut behind the drone. Ah! Well, at least my arm made it. I pushed the door open and slid in after it. If Spirit of Tomorrow had made good on its promise to jam all the radio frequencies, how was the drone still being piloted? Unless it wasn't. Maybe it had been pre-programmed and was carrying out its mission, like the Jeepers usually did. Only one way to find out. Who's that naked woman over there? Ha! It didn't flinch. No human pilot could have avoided turning to look. It was pre-programmed, all right. I followed the drone down the hallway of storms. I did not like where this was headed. It started to cozy up to a door panel of a threatening cumulonimbus. I'd seen enough. Time to cut it off at the proverbial pass. I grabbed the drone from behind and turned it away from the wall. It struggled for a minute, then went limp. <laughs> that ought to do it. Mission failed. Returning to base. Returning to base? What do you mean returning to base? It suddenly kicked back to life. I was still holding on to it, but before I knew, I was being lifted into the air. It flew its way out of the open storm windows in the upper rafters. I was 40 feet in the air, and it did not seem to appreciate the extra weight. I found a ridge on the plastic case to hold onto, but I wasn't sure how long my fingers were going to hold out. Every time we tried to turn, we suddenly lost altitude, as if it didn't have enough power to keep us up and change direction at the same time. We were, I'm not great at estimating feet, so uh, a bunch over people's heads. Tim, what the hell are you doing? I tried to shrug, but when you're dangling in the air, that requires an enormous amount of upper body strength. The struggle is real. Hey, Tim! What are you doing up there? I'm working a case. What are you doing here? Hey, Tim! Is that you? Oh! Hi, Uncle John! Haven't seen you in a while. I didn't know you were coming to the air show. I wasn't planning on it. Sarah made me bring the can. Oh, that's nice. Hey, ask her if she still wants me to help hand out candy on Halloween. Everything else being grounded, I was the main attraction at the moment as the drone attracted the attention of every patron at the show. And sorry, not sorry, I was ready to see the destination in sight. I finally saw where it was heading, the large center multi-story tent in the middle. Whoever sent this drone, if it could break into the weather control building, it could have been the same one that took down the blimp with Eve in it. The drone flew me in the window of one of the tents. We crashed in together, me scraping my knees, but the drone flew into a metal table and cracked in half. Someone was crouched over a computer typing frantically. Whoever it was, I knew they were the ones who were hacking into the weather control system. The ones who were sabotaging the air show. The ones who had tried to kill Eve. Well, well, well. If it isn't Timothy E. Less... Doug? Greetings, residents of the prototype world of tomorrow. Have a look around Boardwalk Times. It's a destination for true Disney Park fans, plus everything else. Boardwalk Times provides extensive news coverage, exclusive articles, and epic stories from all divisions of the House of Mouse. Boardwalk Times covers all aspects of Disney and themed entertainment, through entertaining personal articles to vivid video episodes. This is just the beginning, and so much more is on the way. Check out the site at www.boardwalktimes.net, and follow us on social media at Boardwalk Times. Be part of our journey. 
And now we continue Fairweather Foes. Well, there I was, and there Doug was, and unless one of us started talking, it was going to get real awkward real quick. So, try to murder any of my friends recently? I don't know what you're talking about. So that wasn't you who brought down that blimp? Don't be ridiculous. No one could hack into the city weather department system. But you didn't need to, did you? You used the short field range, um... Eve explained it to me earlier. The, the short version for close, nearby hacking. The pigeon. What? Like a carrier pigeon. Oh. Now, don't try to deny it. I saw your drone getting into the weather control building, and then flying me up here. Why do people keep grabbing on to my drones? I don't know. The, the sides, they, they kind of look like handles. But, but you tried to murder them. I didn't know they were on the blimp. I thought it was empty. Once you dispatch the drones, they're gone. They do their thing, and they come back. But you were willing to let it crash. It could have hit a neighborhood. It's progress. Accidents happen. You really are the a-hole. You know, even if you didn't care about Eve, you could have killed Bo. What was so worth it, huh? You're the detective. Figure it out. He turned back to his computer and typed some commands into the interface. I heard someone try for the door. He had locked it from the inside. Then I saw it. I don't know why I missed it before. It was sitting in the middle of the room under a sheet. Your airplane doesn't work. It's not an airplane. It's an entomopter. A what? It flies like a bug. Except it doesn't. No. It never scaled up, okay? Is that what you wanted to hear? Professor Fang was right. I ran into this problem months ago. The models were so successful, they threw so much money at the project. The full-size version was supposed to carry five people and the family dog. The first commercially viable family aircraft. Now it's a $45 million piece of scrap metal! And the CEO, George Prang, doesn't know. Of course not. That's why I had to cancel the air show. Buy more time. Well, it didn't work. Even your model is a small pile of whatever materials you build those drones out of. Mostly carbon fiber. Well, it's all over there. It sounded like they were resorting to crude battering rams to get in at this point. (laughs) What makes you think I just sent one? Wait, what? I sent four drones to the weather control building. You remember what they keep in there, don't you? Bo showed me once. In the largest room in the main hallway. Hurricane Zeke. Goodbye, Tim. At that moment, time seemed to stand still. Three things happened at once. The first is that the hinges on the temporary door gave way. Fun fact, hinges are usually weaker than the lock, so you really should start there when breaking down a door. Had the fine representative of Progress Security known that, precious minutes could have been saved. Second, as soon as the door was down, in burst Eve. And third, a drone flew out of the storage cabinet toward my chest with an apparent intention of knocking me out of the open window, which I was standing in front of. It took me a sec to process all the events going on, which I tend to do better at regular speed than in slow motion anyway. I'd been hit in the chest and was being pushed backwards toward the window, losing my balance when Eve lunged for my hand. I turned sideways, the drone flew up and over my shoulder, but I had lost my footing and was about to fall. Eve was still holding my hand when I tripped backwards and pulled her down with me. Eve had either the foresight or instinct to grab onto the metal bar that made the structure of the temporary tower, and instead of a probable death of an eight-story fall, together we were swinging back towards the tower and through the open window on the floor below. We landed with a... I do not want this sort of thing to be a regular occurrence. Eve, you, you saved me. 
Yeah, don't mention it. I guess we're even. Even? Yeah, you know, from, from the dirigible. You didn't save me from the dirigible. You weren't even there. Wasn't I? Oh, that was a long time ago. If anyone, Bo saved me, and it was really more a joint effort. Excuse me, can I help you? Oh, hey, it's Eastern Airlines. I did an internship here. Um, how's the air show going? Not great. Well, that's why we're here. Come on, we, we, we gotta get up. Okay, uh, I'm up, I'm up. No, I mean like in the air. Uh, hi, welcome to the Eastern Airline Control Center. Can, can I help there you? There you are. I thought you landed another floor up. Yeah, funny story about that. Chief um... Maxian, one level up in the Shawnee control room. There's a guy named Doug, and he's an a-hole, and you need to arrest him. I'm sorry, Mr. Luss. I can't arrest someone for being an a-hole. No, no, no. That was the description so you could recognize him. I'm not sure you understand how this works. To arrest him, I have to tell him what he did. Well, murder. Uh, attempted. Well, depending on how the next ten minutes go. We, we gotta run. Thank you for flying with Delta. Uh, I, I thought you were Eastern Airlines. We just got bought out. Well, that's progress for you. No, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go! We hurried down several flights of stairs and out into the open field. By now it started spitting rain. Uh, does that sky look green to you? Uh, I'd go with a seafoam, maybe? Yeah, it's a hurricane. No. No, you're kidding! So, Doug, y you remember Doug. He might have let the storms out of their holding pins, including... Oh, including Hurricane Zeke. Yeah, y you see that circular pattern in the middle? Yeah, that looks like an eye forming. Tim, what is going on? Bo, uh, Professor Fang, can we stop it? I its eye has stabilized. It's officially a hurricane. Yes. I mean, no. Okay, you captured it before. You can do it again. It would take our entire team. Okay, where are they? I gave them the day off. Uh, how many ships can you fly? Uh, Bo can fly one. So, one? We, we need a dozen. Oh, well, what about unmanned? With radio controls? Everything's being blocked. Spirit of Tomorrow? I gave Eve a little subtle side nod. Eve and I will figure out how to clear up the radio waves. You and Bo head to the hangars and get the airships ready to fly. Okay, Tim. I suppose that we're counting on you. Oh, great. Come on, I've got an idea. Tim, why are we headed to the food court? Because I wanted a soft pretzel. What do you think? This isn't a time to be feeling peckish. Oh, there he is. Uh, come on. Uh, Dr. Noel. What? Dr. Noel. Uh, come on. Tim, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be incognito. <sighs> Dr. Noel, this is Eve Moore. Eve, this is the head of Spirit of Tomorrow, Dr. Signal. Oh, I get it. How did you know I would be here? Because I knew you'd never be satisfied with a chime account, or a video, or an audio recording of this protest. You wouldn't want a mediated experience. You'd need to see it for yourself. But how did you know I'd be at the Broadway stand? Uh, broad cultural stereotypes? We need you to call off the signal blocking. You see that? Someone released a hurricane, and it's about to tear through central Florida. <gasps> ah, don't leave it! The city weather department can stop it, but they need clear channels to control the dirigibles. I don't know what to tell you. What do you mean? You won't do it? People are in danger, Dr. Noel. I understand what you are saying, Fraulein, but you misunderstand me. It's not that I won't. I would, but I can't. You can't? 
spirit of tomorrow believes on principles of decentralization. We have no master chime list, no secret decodering. To call me the head is even not so correct. And we have hundreds of people scattered with these battery-operated radio blockers in their pockets. So you'll never get to all of them. And any one would be impossible to trace. We could find a couple dozen, maybe, and tell them to turn them off. It's not going to make a difference. So, uh, how do these radio blockers work? It's just a hundred machines gibbering nonsense on every frequency. How do you get around it? You can't. It's the power of decentralization. This is a symbol of what the world is now. Nothing but noise. No, there's always a way around. Wait, what if you change the psychic? What are you talking about, Tim? Yeah, what you said at the meeting. You know, it's the message. You're saying medium, I think. That's a word you should know. But despite him being intelligent as a pig's high jump, it makes sense in German, Tim might have an idea. If you cannot use the radio, go back in time to earlier communications, maybe. Like the, the printing press? Is that the suggestion? Okay. No bad ideas. Get the ball rolling. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the smoke signals. Uh, no. uh, painting. Mm-hmm. Um, semaphore. Tim! Wait. Wait, wait, wait. That's genius. It is? I mean, I assume you actually mean using flags, right? Because, you know, that's stupid. But, but bear with me. In programming, a semaphore is a variable that's shared by different threads. I'm losing you. Okay, the point is, we don't need to control all the ships. We just need to control one. And then every ship sees and follows the one in front of it. (gasps) Like a conga line. Well, now that you figured it out, excuse me, you're standing in front of the self-serve sauerkraut. We've got to get to the hangar. Yeah, I'm right behind you. I'm still wondering what's going on with this. Thanks, Dr. Noel. Uh, You know, I think Spirit of Tomorrow might not be for me, but... Tim, hurry up! Enjoy your bratwurst. I'll try, but they ran out of mustard. We ran over to the weather department hangar. The collection of dirigibles was, well, motley comes to mind. They obviously had a well-maintained few that were pristine and probably oiled on occasion. And then there were the others. Aside from the logos painted on the side, you would have thought we were Dunkirking this thing. We've got 12 ships ready to go, but we still don't have a way to control all of them. We may not need to. What do you mean? We just need a way to tell the ship to follow the one in front of it. Like a conga line. Exactly. Uh, do the ships have an optical input? Cameras with intelligent recognition or something? They have cameras, but not recognition software. Uh, okay, uh, from scratch, that would... Oh, that would take weeks to program. Um... There's an output that we use to record the ship's movement into the black box. Uh, we could connect it into the next one's command input. Uh, would that work? Yeah, yeah. We can add a delay to the signal. Wait, so we're going to hardwire these ships together? Oh, man. Dr. Fang, how much cable do you have? Uh, it will have to be enough. I started helping Bo run the cabling. We made the connections between each ship's output and the next one's control input, so all 12 were daisy-chained together. There were more than a few adapters and several rolls of duct tape for added strength. Eve and Klimptroller Fang were booting up each of the control computers and setting them to manual mode. 
Professor Fang kept looking out the hangar door nervously. If that storm gets any bigger, we won't be able to encircle it. We still have four ships left to connect. We're not going to make it. No, you go. There's a delay, right? You and Professor Fang get in the air, and Eve and I will finish the connections. Are you sure you can do that? Yes, now go. All right, wish us luck. And don't stand under anything. Progress is in your debt, Eve. Yeah, don't worry. I'll send an invoice. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to ask one more time on Bo's behalf. Are you sure you can do that? Yeah. You just, you put the thing in the thing, connected by the thing. Well, as long as you really grasp the technical details. Come on, it's simple. I saw him do it nine times, and I was paying attention for at least two of those. Well, clock's ticking. We started working together to connect the thing to the thing to the thing, which he didn't know the names for either, so I didn't feel as bad. One by one, the dirigibles started floating up into the sky. By the time we were on the last one, Eve had insisted on taking over. Okay, number 11 is up in the air, Eve. No hurry, but, you know, hurry. Just a minute. I don't know how much time we have. They can do it with 11. Uh, there. Oh! Oh, Just great. We're 15 feet up in the air, Eve. We're going to have to jump. That's solid concrete. We, We could parachute. No, no. By the time we had enough height, we'd be jumping into a hurricane. Well, strap in. I guess we're along for the ride. Actually, you're going to have to stand. Because I didn't bring a chair. If it wasn't for the howling winds of terror, the fear of being struck by lightning, or the knowledge that my ship was being controlled by at least two connections that I personally wired, it really would be quite beautiful up here. Each ship was indeed following the one in front of it. One would turn a certain way, and then the other would wait until it was in the exact same spot as the first one, then pivot in the same direction. Sort of a ballet with large, hulking objects instead of dancers. Like Swan Lake, but with manatees. Hey, Eve! Huh? Uh, that one just jittered. Oh, that's not... Uh, they're not passing on the commands perfectly. I was worried about this. Each ship is receiving the commands, then it processes them through its stabilization program and wind controls, and then retranslates them and exports them out. Ah, like, like telephone. No, not like a telephone. No, 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 like the game. You know, where it starts off with a phrase, and then each person whispers it, and it turns into a scratchy monkey temperament belies the newfound hesitations? Sure, we'll go with that. We had completely encircled the storm now, and all the ships were turning one by one to face it. I could see the primary ship that Bo was piloting out the right window. I think he's asking what I'm doing. Should I shout back? Uh, it's fine. I'll just make big hand gestures until he stops trying. I think he says to hold on. To what? One by one, over the next few minutes, all the fans on the dirigibles clicked on, pushing each one back from the force until they hit the end of their line and sort of bobbed up and down like a bunch of ships tethered to a dock when a speedboat runs through. Picture that, but in three dimensions. Oh, it looks like it's working. The ships are actually catching the storm. The hurricane's dying down. While Eve was standing in the job that the ships were doing and dissipating the storm, I was looking out our immediate neighbors to the left. Uh, big yikes. We got a scratchy monkey temperament situation over here. What are you talking about? Two over. That ship? Well, you see that hole that used to have a ship in it? Oh, no. Yeah. We've got to cut the cord before we get that signal. Someone's got to pilot us down. 
Tim, you're not a pilot. I work for Eastern Airlines. In the marketing department. It's the only seat in the plane and I'm taking it. Cut the cord and hold on. Eve, I'm sorry. Tim is winning me over with his story. It sounds pretty badass. You're right, Annie. It was pretty badass. No, you know what? I piloted nanobots. Objectively, I was more qualified to fly the plane than you. Okay, I got us to the ground, didn't I? We survived. The city was saved. Three airships didn't even hit anyone. Yeah. Neither the city weather department or progress security is even acknowledging we were there. I wouldn't be waiting for your Medal of Honor anytime soon. Okay, well, if we're gonna stay here, we've gotta do something about the yodeling. Sound blocking windows is on my list of upcoming expenses. I like it. It's like being inside a cuckoo clock. Oh, uh, can you add a 25 cent petty expense to the list? I still owe that guy a quarter. So what happened to Doug? Well, Annie... You know, I probably should have followed up on that one. I just figured it worked itself out, you know? Anyway, as soon as the payment from the city weather department comes, oh, we'll make sure that we Tim, do something. it came two days ago. Briefcase with non-sequential bills. That's how I covered the security deposit for the office. Oh. Well, uh, with the rest of it, we'll... I saw it. It was a pretty small briefcase. More of a tiny attaché. And the bill denominations? Um, mostly ones and fives. And for some reason, twos. So there's nothing left. I don't think you know how much a security deposit is, especially after they saw your name on the lease. Sorry, Tim. Ah. So, we need a case. Yep. We need a case. All right. Orange County prisoner number 61787, Douglas McDonald. Yeah. Here's your lawyer. You can have a seat over here. Thank you, deputy. Now he's handcuffed to a chair, so I doubt he's going to try anything. But if you do need something, there's a button right under the table that'll ring us in the next room. (laughs) How utterly primitive. I don't think that will be necessary. Really? Because last I heard, he tried a Wicked Witch of the East, half of Central Florida. Uh, I'm not a criminal. A misunderstanding. You know how accidents happen in progress. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'll leave you to it. Orange County is certainly taking its precautions. They're treating you like some sort of violent degenerate. Okay, let's drop the act, because we both know you're not my lawyer. If you're unhappy to meet with someone who admires your work, why did you agree to see me? What else am I going to do? They don't exactly let you keep your chime in here. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm here to offer you a new career, Doug. And you don't think the handcuffs are going to get in the way? Hmm, don't worry so much. I have entire teams of people who can take care of that, if you are interested. And what exactly would I be doing? The same thing you did at Shawnee Aerospace. I need an aeronautic engineer. Your designs for the Entomopter were inspired. They didn't work. 
Minor details. Your only problem is that you were thinking too mechanically. It's an aircraft. How else would I be thinking? Accept my offer, and you'll be back in progress. You weren't meant to be here with that green band around your leg. I don't think I'd exactly be welcomed back with open arms. I have got a full facility in the middle of Bay Lake. Laboratories, dormitories, a mess hall. If you don't want to, you'll never have to leave the island. Who are you, and what is it that you do? (laughs) I'll start with the second one. Uh, Biology. You might say I work with animals. And you want me to design flight systems for... Let's call them advanced biological systems. I see. Well, that would solve some problems. (laughs) Wouldn't it, though? I've saved entire species before. You don't belong in a place like this. Let me save you. My court date is on the 31st. Ah, I've already had it moved to the 16th. You'll be a free man by Wednesday. So this facility? Oh, you'll love it there. It's a whole island of discovery. This episode of Prototype World of Tomorrow was written and directed by Benjamin Lancaster. The associate director is Catherine Jenkins. Tim Less is played by Brian Balance, and Eve Moore is Callie Wills. Bo is played by Jerry Skids, and Professor Fang is played by Teresa Hugh. Doug McDonald is played by Kevin Berger. Dr. Knoll is played by Nate Beagle. Chief Maxian is Jacqueline Thomas, and Rick Russo is John Sicari. The Old Duffer is Barry Wallace. The Eastern Airlines employee is Katherine Jenkins. John is played by Jeff Evans. Annie Moore is played by Issa Jones. The Orange County Deputy is played by Jake Ramos. And the mysterious visitor is Hal Bowers. The protesters are Jake Ramos, Dakota Myers, Chris Cologne, Naomi Addison, and Katherine Jenkins. The chime voice is Jacqueline Thomas. Music by Trash Chan, Zoter, Zeta. The associate producer is Naomi Addison. If you enjoyed this episode and want us to make more, please go on to iTunes and give us a five-time review. And support our sponsors, like this season's sponsor, The Boardwalk Times. Visit them at boardwalktimes.net. Prototype World of Tomorrow is copyright 2020. Just ahead in a jar, LLC.